0: You're listening to the Watched It in the 80s podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Damien. And I'm Eric. And welcome to Watch It in the 80s, a podcast where we talk about movies and TV from that decade known as the 80s. And happy holidays. This is episode 17 and our holiday special, if you want to call it that. Today, Eric and I will be talking about Gremlins from 1984, which was written by Chris Columbus and directed by Joe Dante. Uh, Like I said, Eric is with me today. How are you doing, Eric? How are uh, are your holidays going well?
1: Yeah, going pretty good. Just uh, celebrated my first Christmas with uh, my first kid who's uh, going to be turning one on Sunday. The week's going pretty good. How about you? Wow, yeah, the holidays went well. So your baby's turning one. Uh,
0: boy or girl, remind me. Boy. Boy, he's going to turn one this Sunday. Oh, wow, that's so cool. So January 2nd? Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. First birthday first birthday and that well for first christmas too that's pretty cool it's always a special one you've been on another podcast i think since we last recorded right
1: yes i was on wilhelm with ben beck to talk about the matrix franchise how'd that go that was a lot of fun journeyed uh, pretty far down the rabbit hole that was cool it was a deep dive still haven't seen matrix 4 yet but uh looking forward to it so
0: that was in preparation for Matrix 4 then. Are you going to go back on there for Matrix
1: 4? Yeah, I believe we we plan to do that uh at some point.
0: Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for it. I'm not a Matrix fan, but I remember seeing the the not that there's anything wrong with it. I just haven't <laughs> I haven't uh you know followed the movies at all, but I know I saw the trailer when I went to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, And it looked looked pretty good from what I saw, not knowing anything about the franchise. Cool. So we look forward to hearing you on that. All right. So let's get started with the plot
1: summary. Do you want to go ahead and read it? Sure. When Billy Peltzer is given a small creature called a Mogwai by his father, he is unaware of the carnage he was about to encounter. There is a huge responsibility in looking after Gizmo as there are certain rules which must be followed. The Mogwai must be kept away from bright light Never made wet, and never ever be fed after midnight. When an accident occurs involving Gizmo and water, the next evolution stage of Mogwai appears, and it isn't nice at all. Courtesy of FilmFan from IMDb.
0: Moving on for cast, uh, moving on to rather cast notes. Uh, I'm gonna go first with Joe Dante. Gremlins was directed by Joe Dante. Uh, his more memorable, uh, excuse me, his more notable works were Piranha, The Howling, and Twilight Zone: The Movie. And he was responsible for the segment called "It's a Good Life." So those were her, excuse me, those were his previous works before Gremlins.
1: Zach Galligan, who plays Billy Peltzer, uh, had his first major film role in this movie. Uh, he did appear in a made-for-TV movie the year before called. As uh, Jacobo Timmerman in uh, Prisoner Without a Name, Cell Without a Number.
0: All right. And now we'll move on to Phoebe Cates. She plays Kate, and she had been in a few popular films before this, like Private School and Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
1: Hoyt Axton, who plays the father Randall Peltzer, was a folk singer in the early 60s. He appeared on several TV shows in the 60s and 70s and was also in. The Black Stallion in 1979. All right. Frances Lynn McLean played Lynn Peltzer.
0: She was a TV actress in the 1970s. Her most notable series was Apple's Way, where she played Barbara Apple. Also in 1984, she was in the hit film Footloose.
1: Howie Mandel, who voices Gizmo, played Dr. Wayne Fiscus on St. Elsewhere and also voice acted in Jim Henson's Muppet Babies around the same time as Gremlins. Yeah, I forgot that Howie Mantel was the
0: voice of of Gizmo. I was a little surprised to to hear that. I think I had heard it before, but I was just a little surprised when I was reminded of that um, in preparation for this. Uh, Right, moving on to Polly Holiday, she played Mrs. Deagle, very popular TV actress, uh, she played Flo the Waitress on Alice uh, and then had her own spin-off, Flo, that I think lasted for only
1: one season back in the early 80s. Oh, interesting. Corey Feldman, who plays Pete, began acting in the late 70s on television. He was a regular on Bad News Bears TV series and Madam's Place. He was also in another horror movie in 1984, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter. Yeah, he was one of those cute child actors that just
0: seemed to appear everywhere back then. Yeah, all right, so, up all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to awards, uh, do you want to read that for us?
1: Sure. So this film won quite a number of Saturn awards. Uh, it won Best Horror Film, uh, Best Supporting Actress for Polly Holiday's role as Mrs. Deagle. Uh, Joe Dante got Best Director, uh, Jerry Goldsmith won Best Music for the score in this film, as well as Chris Wallace winning Best Special Effects for his work on The Gremlins. Uh, they were also nominated for a number of Saturn Awards. Um, Best Supporting Actor to Dick Miller, who played Mr. Futterman. Uh, Best Performance by a Younger Actor in Corey Feldman. Uh, Best Writing by Chris Columbus, who penned the script. And Best Makeup by Greg LaCava.
0: Moving on to overall thoughts. Uh, I'll go first. I thought it was a very fun movie uh, that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean, probably since sometime in the 90s, I guess. Gizmo is, he's like the original Baby Yoda, (laughs) I would say. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was all over the place in the mid 80s. I mean, I thought the puppeteering work. Uh, I thought it was amazing and the gremlins themselves they were ugly little monsters uh, but they looked so good I mean the storyline was you know it was okay but I think it was all about just the concept of the little monsters running around and, and of course the cute little gizmo and it was a Christmas theme movie even though it was released in June which I thought was pretty interesting but overall I thought it was a good movie and I was I was really happy to go revisit this uh, for this holiday season how about you?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, because everything in this movie is practical effects. Uh, it, it holds up extremely well. Um, especially on... I, I watched this as a... Uh, on the 4K transfer, which they released back in 2014. Um, and I similarly had not seen this movie in, in a while. Not quite as long. I, I think it, it I'd seen it maybe about 10 years ago or so. But it, it had been a minute since I'd seen this movie. And... In, I don't know why this didn't strike me previously, but uh, in in watching this movie in prep for the podcast, I noticed that Gizmo is basically, or or excuse me, Furby is basically a straight rip of of Gizmo the uh, that that toy craze, which I think was like somewhere in the late nineties, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, but it, it was one of those things like the Tickle Me Elmo where one year it was just a huge hit, and uh, yeah, the little Furbies look basically exactly like Gizmo. Um. So this movie was, was released before I was born. So it's kind of always been one of those Spielberg movies that's just been in the background. And I, I first saw it um, so early on that. I I don't really remember my, my first viewing of it, but yeah, it's just always been a classic for me and it was a real treat to revisit it for this podcast.
0: Good call back to the Furbies. Yeah. I think now that I remember, I think I had a a Furby or two back in the day (laughs) and, um, they were basically gizmos (laughs) you are correct Mm -hmm. No, i'm with you uh the practical effects hold up there's a few i guess the stop motion and a animation effects that don't hold up but there's very few of them they really use practical effects with do hold up which do hold up throughout the movie so yeah well good for you that you watched it within the last 10 years it's been forever
1: Mm -hmm. for me (laughs) since i've seen it so uh yeah you're right on the on the stop motion this uh because I, yeah i think there's only like one, one maybe two scenes in which they they do stop motion and since it's the the rest of it is not stop motion it kind of sticks out a little bit but other than that yeah it holds up really well right it's very few i mean
0: there's there's one that pokes out to me individual with all the gremlins running down the street yeah yeah um that's like it really looks horrible but <laughs> the rest of them uh the rest of them are fine so yeah those are also miniatures too
1: miniatures okay all right so that's not considered stop motion or no they are they are but the um like the rest of the gremlins are are like full-size puppets
0: oh okay that's good to know but uh yeah i think
1: they made little miniature gremlins on a little miniature street so it, it all is a is a bit of a clash with the rest of the movie but right otherwise pretty good
0: but the puppeteering was fantastic let's move on to our favorite scenes um if you want i'll go first I'm going to talk about uh, probably a little bit into the movie when Gizmo gets wet, which is rule number two of Mogwai's caretaking. Don't get them wet. (laughs) But uh, Pete uh, also known, uh, well, played by Corey Haim um, in all his clumsiness, excuse me, takes care of that. But I think the effects are really cool with his, you know when gizmo's little back is bubbling and the little fuzzy balls start popping off of him and we find out that uh, they multiply that's that's why you shouldn't get them wet because you'll end up with more little gizmos which you think should be a good thing but we quickly right. learn that it's not a good thing <laughs> because stripe who pops out first and is a, he ends up being the leader stripe nips at pete uh, and they are not as kind and as cute as Gizmo. There are several different instances mm-hmm. in the next few scenes of the movie. Well, I know there's one where Billy is talking to uh, his dad, and they're all by the Christmas tree, and, and everyone, uh, all the little Gizmos, well, not Gizmos, all the little Mogwai, but Gizmo, are playing uh, like an electronic
1: video game or something. Dodge Kong.
0: Is that what they're playing? Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and Little Gizmo's right. uh, by the tree playing the little trumpet by yeah, himself. Yeah, he's
0: playing the trumpet with, beside Barney. And Stripe kind of spews some nasty spit at him. <laughs> yeah, he does. But they end up tying up Barney. Uh, and they cut the wire on the clock. And basically, Gizmo, he's kind of separate from them. So Gizmo knows yep. that that these particular uh, mogwai, are, they're not like him. He doesn't want to associate with them. So Gizmo knows um, but nobody else knows, <laughs> uh, but they cut the wire on the clock and they trick Billy into feeding them after midnight, uh, so they can intentionally start their, uh, metamorphosis, which I think is, you know, that's kind of interesting because, uh, the whole movie up to this point, you know, we met Mig, uh, we met, uh, Gizmo, the Mogwai, and he had no intentions of going into a, uh, metamorphosis at all. He just right. wanted. He just wanted to be Gizmo. Um, he wanted to hang out, hang out with Billy, be taken care of. Uh, he didn't want to go ahead and become a full fledged gremlin, uh, which is what happens when we, um, you know, moving down the moving down the movie path. Here we find out what happens to uh, the Mogwai after right. uh, after they eat after midnight. But that would probably like be. That... Uh, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just say that I, I feel like that little kid really could have uh, elaborated on the consequences of breaking rules i mean that what he does for for the first one you know don't expose him to direct sunlight that'll kill him but then just lays out rule number two and number three and just doesn't say why
0: yeah he leaves that very much uh out in the open (laughs) for uh the peltzers to figure out on their own which is, is not a smart thing to do uh yeah so that would probably be my first scene is uh is when gizmo gets wet and then we see uh that there's more more mogwai out there and they're uh, they're not as cute as him. So do you want to go on to your first one then?
1: Yeah. And, and poor, poor little gizmo makes that horrific sound when he gets wet. Oh, Oh, I know. <laughs> you can just tell he's Corey just Hank, so much pain. Corey.
0: Uh, or, I'm sorry. Corey Feldman doesn't like it.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> and then after, after the, um, you know, all the little mogwai pop out, he's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's cool, I guess. And it goes back to like reading comic books. Um, Anyway, but my scene, next scene is um, uh, I I call Get Out of the House, wherein after, as you mentioned, the um, little mogwai led by Stripe trick Billy into feeding them after midnight. Uh, They go into their little metamorphosis pods, and um, uh, Billy, in the meantime, had taken one of them to the local high school to be studied by the science teacher there. And that Mogwai had similarly been fed after midnight, after um, the science teacher clumsily leaves out his sandwich. Um, that Mogwai metamorphoses into a gremlin. And at this point we still have not seen it, but we know um, that something bad has happened to the science teacher. Uh, we find him under his desk with the needle sticking out of his leg um, and the gremlin has scratched Billy on the hand, goes through some kind of a chase scene, and Billy's figured out that these gremlins are not nice at all, and realizes his poor mom is home alone with uh, an entire squad of these gremlins. So he calls and says you know, get out of the house, and then the uh, gremlins cut the line to um, cut the phone line. And Billy's mom has not seen these things yet, and this is actually the first real full shot that we get of the gremlins is when she comes back downstairs from the attic and finds the three gremlins in her kitchen, and the first one is just sitting there eating gingerbread cookies, and it's that's the first full shot we get which is, uh, you know, our real introduction to the gremlins and the little guy tries to reach into the Pilzer food processor. And, and I just love that his mom just goes totally berserk, uh, on, on these little dudes, uh, you, without any real interaction, it's just like, nope, not having it. These guys in my kitchen, no good. Turns the food processor on, blends that poor, <laughs> poor little dude up, uh, Turns around, and then there's another gremlin chucking plates at her. Uh, So she's got her kitchen knife and then holds up a TV tray like a shield. And so she's like a a little knight with like a sword and shield there, charges that gremlin, just freaking stabs the dude. And (laughs) what I love about that one is he doesn't like, he doesn't die instantly. He just kind of like goes like, ah, like lays down. And you can see him throughout the rest of the scene. He's just kind of like laying there on his back, sort of like rolling around in like pain, just kind of like slow. (laughs) Slowly dying out, which is like horrible. Um, but like it's kind of one of the themes of the movie is that it's like a real like black comedy. Um, that it, it, it really does. There's a lot of scenes where you don't know whether to, you know, kind of like uh laugh and think it's hysterical or sort of like be scared or 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 what, whether it's uh terrible or hilarious. And and I think it does a great great job walking that line.
0: Yeah, you must have seen a director's cut because what I watched she's whatever she stabbed was off camera and you never saw him. Did you actually see him die? Uh,
1: I don't know that you see the knife going through him, oh, okay. but um, you know, she, she then turns around cause there's the one that she pops into the microwave. And when mm-hmm. she turns around, you can see him. He's still on the countertop and he's just like rolling around, but like still moving. <laughs> okay. So he's not like down. He's not just like, eh, like okay, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, he's still kicking. <laughs> and then, you know, so she she then tosses the next one into the nuker. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's 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 really dark, but, you know, like I was saying, it kind of walks that line between uh, horrific and hilarious. And uh, nukes that one poor gremlin, goes out to the living room, and uh, uh, thinks one of them's in the fireplace, Takes a a swipe at the at uh, one of the stockings there hanging from the chimney, then gets uh, attacked by a gremlin that's in the Christmas tree, and um, she's finally saved when when Billy comes home, and uh, takes that one out, whacks his freaking head off with the with the sword by the door that keeps falling off, um, and then you know like there's that awesome shot after uh Stripe escapes out the window of of just that gremlin's head there in the fireplace, which just you know, looks wicked cool because it's, uh, you know, all, all practical effects. So they really friggin' melted a gremlin head. It was just the first uh escalation into, you know, like the action and, and the horror, I think. Well, I guess there's the horror of, of when the um uh, first gremlin, you know, takes out the science teacher. But, yeah, that's when the um, level of intensity takes another notch up. And you can tell what we're really in for here right
0: i mean those were some awesome kills by mom there i'm 100 percent down with that <laughs> the uh yeah the sword the sword that continues to fall a couple times in the early part of the movie ends up coming into play like you referred to it uh as checkoff sword Check <laughs> it ends. ends up coming into play and yeah chopping off that head was pretty good but stripe ex- uh stripe escapes which goes forward on to the rest of the movie my number two it's just a hair before that actually it's when the uh, pods actually start hatching which i have to say there's another credit to the special effects department the mm-hmm. pods the pods looked absolutely amazing uh i thought so we already know what happens when they get wet but we haven't figured out until this point what happens after they eat after midnight But then we find out, you know, when they start their their molting pupil stage, what happens after they uh, they end up eating at midnight. But I like how the camera zooms in on the box inside the classroom, you know, in Mr. Hansen's room and we get a look inside uh, where the pod it kind of zooms in on the box. And then we get inside where the pod is smoking with like a greenish kind of smoke. And then we see the ones in Billy's room break open. And then the like the greenish, nasty, the dark green slash with yellow stripes, kind of whatever you call it, nasty gremlin claws come out. And, um, you know, then we know all, all heck's going to uh, going to break loose here in a second. But um, you see Gizmo is like he's sitting terrified in the helmet. And we see like the shadows of the gremlins moving around, uh, which I thought was a pretty good effect. Because at this point we haven't, haven't actually seen a full body gremlin yet but Mr uh, poor Mr Hansen uh at the school he's just trying to make friends with the gremlin that got out of the box in his classroom <laughs> yeah <laughs> offering him a snickers bar but it turns out that we we find out that the gremlins are not very not very friendly and it apparently bites his hand and i don't know we see his body a little later i guess pulled under the desk so one can only imagine how they uh, they actually killed him but it did seek some, uh, revenge and stick the syringe in his butt. So he, uh, he does in fact get it in the end, no pun intended, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I thought that was pretty cool with the special effects and just like I said, just to see the next phase of, uh, of what we were going to see once the gremlin gremlins actually did, uh, eat after midnight. Uh, yeah, they look,
1: I- they look really alien like without looking like the alien eggs mm-hmm. at all. Cause you know, I know this is only like, well, I guess it's like a full five years after the first alien movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, or yeah, five. Yeah. You're right. Uh Does a, a really good job of, of, of making something that's essentially, you know, like what is essentially sort of the same thing, like a uh, little metamorphosis thing happening, a uh, little chrysalis, but just looks really freaky. <laughs> and it just does not look like something good is going to come out of that. Right, exactly. Nothing good is going to come out of that pod. I thought that was
0: a great part there in the movie. Um, Cause at this point we were waiting to find, waiting to find out what exactly gremlins were and uh, the next sequence of the movie we were going to find out. So do you want to move on to your next one?
1: Yeah. Um, also just want to say that it's it. So this movie um, at least the cut that I see is, is an hour and 46 minutes, you know, including the credits and um uh, that scene with Billy's mom in the kitchen where you get the um, the first full shot of the gremlin where where it stays there um, and you can really see what's going on with the gremlin like like you were saying when um, when Billy first in, encounters the gremlin in, in the high school that that kills the science teacher it, it Briefly, you know, pops out of the uh, like first aid cabinet and like the nurse's station, and you get like a quick shot of it. So, you know, I, I think they do a really good job. Um, one of the reasons why I, I think this movie holds up is because the the pacing uh, is is extremely well. So you don't get a full shot uh, of these gremlins until uh, like the fifty something minute mark uh, into this into this movie. So it's it, it does a pretty good job of differentiating the the first half of the lead up and then the second half, which is just you know, pedal to the metal. Um, and in this next thing that I'm going to talk about is, is, um, where, where things go from 60 to a hundred when, uh, uh, Stripe after he escapes, uh, from the Peltzer house, uh, makes his way over to the YMCA. And it's, it's a really short scene, but I, 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 just love, uh, again, like, uh, you know, the, the special effects and, and, and the, the score, especially when, um, Billy chases Stripe into the YMCA and uh, Stripe pops out of the electrical box and then jumps into the pool. And, you know, we've, as you um, were talking about earlier, the scene where Gizmo gets wet, uh, we know what's going to happen when Stripe jumps into the pool. Uh, Although I guess we don't know if they're going to pop out as Mogwai or pop out as Gremlins. But here we find out when Mogwai get wet, they pop out more Mogwai. And when Gremlins get wet, they just... Pop out more straight up gremlins. And so when he's jumping into this pool, um, you know, we we see in the um, scene with Gizmo, just a small cup pops out, you know, like another five or six gremlins. And so you're thinking, when Stripe jumps into a full on swimming pool, what is going to happen? And, you know, eventually, of course, the town gets overrun, but it's just very ominous. And I I really like the way that the pool, uh, like, bubbles and, and smokes, and there's just this very ominous music. Playing uh, credit to the um, to Jerry Goldsmith for the score on that one, but it, it's really tight. But I, I I really like it. It does a great job of, of making you feel like oh man, here here's another you know inflection point where things go from crazy to extremely crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the score is amazing, and you also hear the laughter of all the gremlins that stripe, that strike like births or that come from strike oh, you, hear yeah. their, you hear their laughter amidst the bubbling of the pool and also as uh as there's as, that exit shot yeah when you when, you can when see they're, they're running focus on the door yeah, yeah they're running out of the ymca you hear all the laughter so you already know there's going to be like don't know 100 200 (laughs) gremlins whatever uh if they absorb the water see
1: like their little shadows like on the wall too like (laughs) sort of running up towards the door yeah very cool
0: yeah whatever happens but that's yeah that was another good scene there my next one number three would be uh probably oh no it's after that because we have all the little gremlins coming out mrs deagle's death uh mrs deagle of (laughs) course was the owner of the bank uh, where Billy worked and also Kate worked there as well during the day. Um, the bank had a manager, an assistant manager, shout out to Judge Reinhold, uh, another 80s actor.
1: <laughs> yeah. who was
0: an assistant, uh, assistant manager there, but. Uh, also another
1: uh, Fast Times vet. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought that too. But Mrs. Deagle obviously owned the bank. Owned the bank. Uh, she had been in a couple times. She wasn't very uh, kind to customers, even though it was the Christmas season. And she also wanted to put down Barney, Billy's dog, (laughs) for wrecking her house. So Mrs. Deagle was up to this point. We we established her as not a very kind person. But the actress was fantastic. Polly Holiday, uh, we mentioned in the cast notes what she had done before. Um, But as the the evil Mrs. Deagle, uh, she certainly gets what's coming to her. You know, so her death, you know, she's hanging out in her house by this point. You know, you had mentioned before the gremlins uh, already multiplied uh, thanks to Stripe at the YMCA. So they were running all over town wreaking havoc. I think at first you hear one running through her cat door. Yeah. But then um, she hears the carolers outside and she opens the door to find out it's uh, gremlin carolers
1: (laughs) who can't carry a tune. Oh, and she, she p- opens the door with that with that bucket of water too. Like she's gonna throw oh, yeah. some cold water on them. <laughs> I thought about that too, but I think the
0: damage Super had smoothing. already been done. Um, um, thanks to the the YMCA. But yeah, she was gonna throw more water on them to get more gremlins. But so the cat door proves to be proved to be easy access. So when she slammed the door on the carolers, you know, a gremlin or two or however many had to they had already been inside to mess with her stair chair. This has to be one of my favorite deaths in like (laughs) any movie (laughs) because she was not a kind character and when she just you know she slams the door on them and she's you know convinced that they're coming for her and everything and she hops in her chair to go upstairs and you know they had tampered with it and she ends up Flying up the stair chairs typically move slow, but this one moves so right. fast and flies all the way up her winding, her winding, winding staircase, and she ends up flying out the window. <laughs> that has to be one of my favorite, uh, favorite death scenes in any movie. My goodness, uh she was not a kind person, so she definitely got what was coming to her. And then her legs
1: are just—she's just got her feet yeah. just sticking like—yeah, the cops the air, saw like, her, and her legs like were Wizard just... of Oz style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good reference. Like the Wicked Witch just sticking out of the snow. But yeah, that simultaneously was like uh, horrifying and, and horrific, you know, like Joe Dante doing, um, you know, as you had mentioned, like horror movies prior to and, and after this, Uh, you know, so he, he I think has a real sense of what the what the horrific is and then just does an excellent job of just mixing in that comedy, too, because like you're saying, you know, nobody feels bad that Mrs. Deagle has died. Uh, But at the same time, like that sight is just horrific of just the the chair and you can tell her face is somewhere way down and the legs are sticking up. And yeah, simultaneously hilarious and horrifying. I love it. Good call with the horror with Joe uh, Dante. Yeah,
0: because, you know, between the the howling and Twilight Zone and Piranha, uh, he definitely had his experience as far as horror goes. So but this was a horror comedy and I think he did very well with it. But yeah, I just love that scene. That scene's awesome. <laughs> just because she's not a nice lady and she wants to put Barney down and, and doesn't want to help people uh, who need money from the bank and everything during the holiday season. So uh,
1: yeah, that would probably be my number three. Okay, so my next one is uh, the theater scene, which is, again, not, not very long, but um, packed with uh, action, I think. So after uh, Billy rescues Kate from the bar, um, they decide that enough is enough, and uh, they've got to get rid of this gremlin threat uh, once and for all. Um, So after they come out of the bank where they've been holing up, um, they realize the streets are empty, and they think that all the gremlins have gathered somewhere, and they find in the theater. So they go in uh, only to find that all of the Gremlins are seated in the theater and or running the projector and they're playing Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and for some reason they just totally love this movie um, and I, and I, I think that there's again this this great blend of like horror and and comedy in that we see um, you know all the gremlins at their gremlin gremliny ist. <laughs> Um, so they're, they're in, up in the projector room, uh, messing with everything. Uh, they're out in the theater eating popcorn, eating candy. And, uh, uh, it was, it was really during this scene, especially after the bar scene that I thought, man, life as a gremlin must be pretty good because they just seem to be having a blast like all of the time. Every, every time you see any of these gremlins, they're always cackling and laughing and just generally having a ball. Um, and so Billy and Kate take the opportunity to go down to the boiler room, um, unhook the gas, and manage to uh, blow the place to smithereens. but they have um, you know this this great escape scene where they pop out the hatch door behind the theater screen right as the film reel runs out and then all of the gremlins notice oh, it's them. And so they, they rush the, the, the stage, and you get this this great shot of uh, all the shadows uh, on the theater um, projector screen uh, as the gremlins are coming up, and then they start to claw through the screen, which, uh, again, I just thought was, was really cool. Um, and then uh, Billy and Kate running out the door, uh, you know, right as the theater starts to go uh, up in flames and then eventually explodes, and I thought that that was... Just a really cool scene. As well as, um, uh, I love that they're all just captivated by Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and <laughs> they're just singing the high ho <laughs> song. Uh, even even Gizmo is, uh, um, you can hear him singing it while he's uh, hanging out in Billy's backpack. So, I don't know. It's simultaneously, like, like charming, and then, you know, they're, uh, one minute you're laughing, and the next minute the main characters are running for their lives, and I don't know. It, it's just a great mix.
0: Yeah. Wonderful directing the 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 shots uh the shots there like you said of the gremlins ripping through the screen and the little shadows beforehand that was all good stuff but yeah i have no idea why they were drawn to the seven dwarves i knew gizmo liked music <laughs> i guess once you're a gremlin yeah. you still like music so they were singing along but i don't know uh <laughs> but uh one and once again after that stripe uh he avoids death after all the other search for candy yeah right in search for candy (laughs) my uh next one there which is actually a a little bit before that it's when uh, it's the bar scene where up to this point we haven't seen what kate was up to since the town went crazy with gremlins but um this scene has to be just for pure pure comedy we're seeing drinking uh we're seeing gremlins drinking way too much they're smoking they're playing cards um stripe ends up shooting another gremlin rather than losing (laughs) uh after like the female gremlin uh looks at his cards and tell him what tell him what he has um (laughs) We see a gremlin that's flashing uh, Kate and they're like playing arcade games, swinging from ceiling fans. It's just total chaos. I swear somewhere I saw this as like some sort of public service announcement or something as far as like alcoholism or drinking too much. I don't know where. Oh, (laughs) no way. That's awesome. I have no idea where (laughs) I can't remember where I've seen it, but I know I've seen it maybe not necessarily uh stripe shooting the other one but like all the other gremlins like drinking and acting stupid and everything i know i've seen it somewhere uh but yeah, then you have like the uh the jazz music playing as they focus on the one uh gremlin that's like chilling in the corner the frank sinatra uh, gremlin yeah <laughs> and uh, the other one comes over with puppets and he ends up hitting him with a hammer. It's just all craziness. It's, it's like, just totally
1: absurd. <laughs> it's four or
0: five crazy uh, minutes of craziness of like these gremlins just out, acting out of hand. And then you have the, uh, the one that's dancing uh, in leg warmers. That's my favorite shout part, out, dude. Shout out to the flash dance style of music. I mean, it's very much early 80s. That part always gets me. It's I know. Just like focus it's on just, the little legs and they're it's just pumping. so. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so over the top, but it's just so funny to see all these gremlins acting ridiculous in that bar, and poor Kate's just trying to keep up with them as best any waitress or or, or bartender or barmaid can. And then while she's lighting some uh, a gremlin cigarette, she realizes he doesn't he doesn't like uh, the match light, so she right. decides to use uh the very 80s popular polaroid which um she uses to knock a bunch of them off the bar stools uh to give her an opportunity to escape but by that time zach shows up and there's uh the headlights of the volkswagen bug um, Yeah, there's another shout out to the 80s there but yeah so it uh, gives her a chance to escape but
1: oh, and she almost gets shot by the mugger gremlin
0: um
1: there's a little gremlin in a, in a ski mask, like right by the door. as She's like trying to get out. You're and right. She's, as she's, she's trying to get out. it with the Polaroid, but she's like run out of film. You're right. And the, the flash won't go gremlin. off. <laughs> yeah.
0: How did these gremlins get all these props? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it was just craziness. I just, I love that scene so much. Um, just cause it's, it's the gremlins not even wreaking havoc. But just
1: overindulging and just being so over the top. You're right. This might be the gremlins that they're on the niest. Yeah. I, you know, you're in good company because I actually Steven Spielberg said that this that bar scene is his favorite scene. Oh well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, but um, it's just it's just absolutely uh absolutely insanity. And uh of course, uh, uh while well, they all escape and then I guess they go to the movie theater after that, which you just said. Whoever, whoever survives, uh, whoever, whatever gremlins survived that. But that's one of my favorite scenes, too, just to see how stupid they're acting. (laughs) And and like I said, I swear it was some sort of public service announcement. I don't know
1: where I wish I knew where, but I can't remember where. Um, Oh, man, I wonder if if uh, in some kind of like early viral marketing, if they like made like a fake PSA, but like it was like a commercial for the movie designed as a PSA. I don't know. That would be cool. I can't remember. There was I wish I did, but I knew it was just, geniuses.
0: you know, the one I know there was one that was just like tilting his head back and pounding the beer. And then he fell off the stool and everything. Yeah. I mean, all of that, it was just crazy, but uh, I love it so much. So, um, where are we up
1: to? We're up to your last one there. Yeah. So yeah, my, my last one, which I think we, we both um, love is the, department store scene which which is pretty long it's actually I think the last 10 minutes of the movie but uh, as we were mentioning Stripe escapes the theater explosion and um Billy and Kate and Little Gizmo chase Stripe down to the department store realizing that you know if uh, if he manages to find a source of water then you know where it's, it's gonna be mayhem round two and so they try and take him out before he can do that um so they break in through the window. Uh, Billy still has the sword, and uh, I think he—I think he does at this point still. But um, uh, at least, anyway, he changes out for a bat at some point. Um, and when Billy first manages to encounter Stripe again, uh, Stripe's got the jump on him, and he, Billy gets just. <laughs> pelted like right in the kidney with uh, uh, a baseball from a baseball pitching machine, and then has to dodge uh, saw blades which which Stripe is throwing at him. Stripe manages to shoot Billy with a freaking crossbow pistol, so he's just getting really lit up. Uh, and then then Stripe comes at him with a with a chainsaw, and Billy is holding holding out uh, with just the his his baseball bat uh, as as Stripe is trying to. Uh, saw through that. Billy manages to get away from that. Um, we have the the awesomeness of um, you know Gizmo driving around in his little like RC car, which uh, is just adorable and and awesome. Um, do you remember how Billy manages to escape and get out from underneath Stripe when he when he's got that chainsaw? Um, I do not. Somehow. Oh, I think Kate Stripe blasts the lights up. on him.
0: Is that when... when yeah, he gets into the, that's uh... when the overhead lights happen, and Stripe falls back, and oh, the yeah, chainsaw so gets... drags him to the wall, yeah. and he hits his head, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then uh, after that, you know, Stripe manages to escape off to the, uh, like, Lawn and Garden Center. Um, oh, but first he, he manages to grab grab a gun, right, from the... Yeah, so they, they've got this department store totally stocked. Um Manages to sneak up to the garden center, gets onto the fountain, and and we're you're just thinking, oh no, this is this is going to be mayhem part two all over again. Stripe pops off a couple shots at Billy, but luckily Gizmo comes to save the day and uh, pulls the shades up on on Stripe. I guess it's already it's already gone to daylight, and then there's that just totally awesome uh, uh, death scene. Uh, as, as Stripe just takes like for freaking ever to like melt down, and there's there's the really 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 cool like uh, synth like it almost sounds like a like a cat in like in distress meow like that, oh,
0: yeah, which, which you can hear at various yeah.
1: points in, in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's just like su- <laughs> super disturbing. Uh, as Stripe starts to melt away, w- what did you like about this this uh, department store scene?
0: Well, of course, I thought the special effects with, uh, stripe melting were fantastic. Uh, especially with a little jump scare at the end and he ends up flopping out of the fountain as a skeleton. Yeah, no, but I just thought it was cool how we had, uh, you know, gizmo kind of save the day a little bit. He was driving the car. Remember earlier in the movie, back in Billy's room, he was watching some sort of racing movie. Oh and, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he was, imitating driving and he was you could tell gizmo was really into race car driving so i think he really loved the opportunity to drive i think it was some sort of barbie car i want to say like barbie's corvette i don't know about that but i know you know that was kind of huge in the 80s around that time so i'm just gonna say he was driving like barbie's corvette yeah it was just it was a good scene just to see how ridiculously ineffective billy was (laughs) you know he might have started like you said there's a number on him yeah, he might have started out with the sword at first, but switched to a bat. But the baseballs took him down, like you said, the crossbow. I, I yeah, I just thought it was, uh, I just thought it was a good overall uh, uh, climax to the movie for Gizmo to take Stripe out because Billy couldn't do it. <laughs> but Stripe, yeah, he was very close to, like you said, uh, hatching more gremlins by getting into the water fountain. But no, I loved it it was just a it was a great uh um oh, what am i looking for it was a great location i guess for the end scene you know that yep. department store where you had sporting goods and toys and just you know whatever like you said the the lots of props. tools and lawn and garden you know he ended up by the water fountain and everything it was just it was a, just a great ending to uh to the movie uh or almost ending i know they had the scene at the house there afterwards but it was a great demise for for Stripe, for Stripe. yeah for the very end there i enjoy i enjoyed it very much the saw blades that was fun chucking the saw (laughs) blade when he was chucking the saw blades at billy now i just uh, yeah overall i thought it was a great ending to a great movie and uh
1: gizmo gizmo saved the day which was uh which was fantastic um so I was watching the, the special features on this movie and mm-hmm. I guess that they had um, originally shot. Cause I'll talk a little, a little bit about this uh, later that they had originally shot um, a scene where if, if you're looking as this, the like blinds are being lifted on stripe, he fires off a, a shot um, where he's as they originally filmed it shooting at Billy and Billy is basically like diving towards um the wall where the um little cords are for the blinds and so he's he's dodging bullets diving towards the wall and billy actually manages to pull the the blinds open on stripe uh, as he's being shot at by um yeah as he's being shot at by stripe uh so billy kind of does like an action hero move to save the day and in the second half of filming when they just did all the animatronics and stuff uh they actually changed it to gremlins or change it to Gizmo, um, Gizmo Saving the Day. Yeah. And uh, so at the premiere, um, uh, Zach Galligan is sitting next to Joe Dante, and he's like, I, wh- I thought, I, you know, I was the hero, and I saved the day at the end of the movie. And he's like, <laughs> Joe Dante le- leans over, <laughs> and he's like, listen, the movie's called Gremlins. You know, the Mogwai has to save the day.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. Um, I think it Gizmo is definitely a better move.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To have Gizmo yeah, save I'm,
0: it. yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, okay, so you have any other uh notes you wanted to add to this?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I grabbed the 2014 uh 4k transfer, and when they released that, they actually did um a bunch of extra special features, and you know, like there was all kinds of cool stuff in there. Um, they had a featurette on like the animatronics, uh, so Uh, Chris Wallace headed up the animatronics uh, for this film. And what I didn't realize was that in each, you know, it's not like a traditional puppet with, you know, like somebody, um, you know, like sort of like a a sock puppet, like um, one of the gremlins actually does in the, in the bar scene, right? Where he's got the two little sock puppets, as we were saying with the uh, Frank Frank Sinatra gremlin. Um, But these are actually animatronics. Um and so each one of these puppets is outfitted with um, just, like, a ton of little, like, servo motors and stuff. And they're each operated by anywhere between uh, one to a dozen people, depending on how uh, animated each each puppet can be. Uh, so, you know, like, they had very simple ones, which could only do, you know, uh, a limited range of motions. And then they had, you know... Um, what you maybe you would call like hero gremlins that are fully outfitted fully motorized and can do mm-hmm. all all kinds of stuff and um so you know, like when you had these either gremlins or mogwai doing uh any any kind of motion somewhere in that scene but off camera uh are people operating that animatronics and because it's the 80s because it was filmed in 1983 that all of these um motorized puppets are all operated by wires so none of them are, are like wireless right so they can't be operated from from off scene. so there's a wire running up to the actual motor in you know some gremlin or mogwai's face anytime it's like smiling or grimacing or doing any kind of movement there's a, a direct wire to somebody with a joystick or some kind of a cable or something so it's just amazing how they manage to do that um so actually um galligan was saying that all his favorite scenes were the ones he did with stripe because uh, whenever he had gizmo, the wires that operated gizmo actually ran through his clothing. Uh, so they would you know, like run um, up his, you know, arm. Cause it's, it's set during winter, but they filmed it um, in Burbank in Southern California on a Warner brothers back lot uh, in June through August of, of 1983. So, you know, they're all wearing this winter gear in the middle of summer while they're, while they're filming. Um, And so, you know, Zach Gallagher's got the um, wires for for Gizmo running up his, you know, sleeves, running through his clothing, exiting down out through a hole in his sock, apparently. Um, So I just thought that that was very cool that, you know, if you didn't know that, you would never be able to tell um, that, you know, there's wires coming out of Gizmo anytime he's moving or any of the gremlins, anytime they're doing that, that they just managed to hide that, you know, incredibly well i mean looking looking at it now if you were to watch this movie in 2021 for the first time that you might think oh yeah these are just remote controlled like robotic you know little creatures um or that you know maybe they've cg'd out you know whatever they have to but back then you know in the 80s it all being practical effects that they had to hide all of these um you know special effects people somewhere within within the frame uh so i thought that was super cool the score, uh, done by Jerry Goldsmith, who actually won an Oscar for um, his score in the original 1977, The Omen. Um, he's got just a, a ton of credit to to his name, um, extremely prolific. But what always sticks with me every time I watch this movie is, um, especially the the Gremlins theme. I love the theme of the Gremlins, like that dun 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 dun. Um, Steven Spielberg was saying the, the first time uh Jerry Goldsmith um brought over a little home synthesizer or Steven Spielberg went to uh Jerry Goldsmith's house and uh Jerry Goldsmith played the theme music on a little synthesizer for him and, and Steven Spielberg said, you know, like it sounded like a, a really weird carnival music song. Um which it which it really does once once you put it that way. Um it, it it's like cool mesmerizing but like somehow like off and like a little disturbing at the same time and i just totally love it uh as well as as gizmo's uh theme song uh which is the the little song that he sings um but you can hear those those two theme songs like uh interspersed throughout the movie but played in like various ways at various tempos uh and using various different um musical instruments so according to Joe Dante, this is not technically a Christmas movie as it was both filmed in summer and then released in summer. But, um, you know, if you didn't know that, it definitely feels like a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> and in, in the feature, he's actually on set talking to – I can't remember the character's name, but it's the um, the kid who leads um, Papa Pelzer to, to the Chinese store at the beginning of the movie um, – Oh, he's actually, you know, behind the scenes talking to Joe Dante and and the kid is like, is this is this a Christmas movie? And Joe Dante's like, no, it's not a Christmas movie. We're going to it's going to be released in a year. And he's like, why why isn't it a Christmas movie? And he's like, well, because you play release a Christmas movie at Christmas. And then two weeks later, everybody forgets about it. You release it in the summer and boom, everybody wants to escape the heat. Keep coming back for weeks. (laughs)
0: that is a very good point um well we're considering it a a, a christmas movie
1: <laughs> i have always I, considered
0: it a christmas yeah. movie i had no idea it was released in the summer i didn't either until i looked it up earlier today <laughs> and i was thinking why didn't they do it in christmas but that act uh, do it at christmas but that actually makes a lot of sense that they can just keep playing it and playing it and nobody would forget about it uh that's a a good uh a good note you had about the animatronics on this film i had no idea it was they were uh, run by that many people that's really cool uh, to find that i love when the close-ups on gizmo and his like eyes are spinning and everything <laughs> i thought those were yeah. some really really good effects and they were really cute just the blinking of his eyes and stuff i thought that stuff as far as uh, 1980s go, nowadays it's no big deal but as far as 1980s go, i thought that was pretty pretty good um i just have a couple notes um
1: oh if i can real quick speaking to actually exactly that um as far as you know like they could only make uh you know motors and electronics you know so small You like it's always limited to whatever time that you're in you know um we can make things so small right now and in 10 years from now they'll be able to make them even smaller but um to achieve like those really cool special effects like in the the close-ups of gizmo Ah, uh, they actually made several different Gizmo models, which may not be a surprise. But what what I thought was really cool was they made them in varying sizes. So for the close-up shots of like Gizmo, they made, um, basically like giant Gizmos where where the head was actually like bigger than like a human head, uh, so that they could fit all the extra motors in there to give uh, the operators fine, um no pun intended, but motor control over uh, Gizmo's facial features. Um, so I thought that that, that was really cool. Um, as well as the movie was actually shot in, like, usually you do principal photography in, like, one big block, and then sometimes if you need, you come back and you do reshoots. But this film was actually shot with, like, um, for lack of a better word, normal human actors in in the first part, which, which was... Um, about three months of shooting, which is kind of typical. Then they took three week break and then did a two and a half month intensive shooting of just the animatronics, so like just Gremlins and and Mogwai pretty much with with no sound. And then they added all the special effects sound in later, which um, brings me to Howie Mandel's part as the voice of Gizmo. Um, so basically, they had when they were doing all the editing and gluing the movie together, had to used just sort of like stand in voices. And they actually brought in Howie Mandel, like, sort of towards the end. And um, I, I think he really makes a, a huge difference in, like, the likability of, of Gizmo. And um, speaking to, to that end, the original script of the movie, as written by Chris Columbus, was actually a, uh, a very hard R. Um, the way that he had written it was just a strict horror. With, with not really any comedy. Um, but Steven Spielberg, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, and um, Frank Marshall had recently started up Amblin Entertainment, their um, production studio, uh, which you know, like they used to make like E.T. and stuff. Uh, once Steven Spielberg made a name for himself, started Amblin production, started buying up scripts. And Gremlins was one of the first scripts that, that Steven Spielberg bought. And um, so it was actually um, in the original script all of the Mogwai go gremlin and it's, it's very hard. Are they like eat people? Billy's mom's head gets cut off and it comes rolling down the stairs, uh, crazy stuff like that. And it was Spielberg's idea to actually like broaden it out to, um, a wider audience and say, no, well, one of them should stay in like cute Mogwai form and sort of be like the companion to Billy. And that ends up becoming Gizmo who, you know, is voiced by, by Howie Mandel. And uh, speaking to the, the script originally being written as a hard R, when this movie was first released, uh, there was no PG-13 movie. So we were talking about this being like a real like black uh, comedy. It's, it kind of right. crosses the line between, um, you know, it's kind of like a family movie. There's kind of cutesy stuff, but then there's also some stuff that's like really probably not suitable for like eight-year-olds, but is is kind of a little bit too kiddish for, you know, maybe somebody who's like, to say like you can't see this until you're 17 you know, like the the R rating mm-hmm. so between this and um, another Steven Spielberg movie released in 1984 which was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom
0: mm,
1: right. uh, the MPAA was like hey there's all this stuff with like uh, you know this, this priest dude pulling people's hearts out and you know kind of like human sacrifices and stuff like this definitely seems a little too hard for PG but you know, Steven Spielberg was like, this does not deserve an R. So at the beginning of 1984, there was only PG and R. And then by the time that Red Dawn comes out later in, I think, October, that the MPAA had um, come out with, with PG-13, basically directly in response to Indiana Jones and this film, Gremlins.
0: Wow. That is really cool. I had no idea when PG-13 came out
1: uh moving on to
0: my notes um i'm curious why they chose uh kate that had the dark past of her father's death in the chimney and actually earlier in the Mm -hmm. movie they um when she was walking around uh with billy you know she talked about how she didn't like christmas and she was talking about all the the suicide death rate was higher at christmas and she Mm -hmm said she hated Christmas and all this stuff. And I, I was just curious why they wrote her with that dark past. It didn't seem to add anything to the film. So what, is, it, what did you
1: think when you first heard might. that, that monologue,
0: it caught me off guard, uh, when she, I had forgotten that when she was talking about you know, the people, uh, uh some people are opening presents and other people are opening their wrists. I was right. like, Whoa, okay. I forgot that was in this, <laughs> you know, for, um,
1: yeah, for yeah, a PG it really, it's it's pretty dark.
0: Yeah. It, I thought it was very dark. And then the scene when she's actually talking about her father's death, I I it reminded me uh, of it. I mean, I, I remembered that I remember the story when she was talking about how right. her father died. Uh and then I was like, Oh, okay, I know what part this was this. But then I kind of thought in just the context of the movie, I really don't think it added anything to her character. Uh, I'm, I I was just confused on why they chose to go that dark route with her, um, to give her the dark past. Um,
1: so they actually, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was, uh, they actually kind of talked about this in the special features when, um, um, that, um, you know, anybody who's a, uh, big Marvel fan now will know that, um, when they audition actors for like MCU parts, they'll, they'll give them some piece of, of of script but it will actually be like just a small scene that that you wouldn't be able to tell what in the world the movie's about or is actually has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever so actually that that scene where um billy and kate are, are walking along and she's explaining or just talking about how she hates christmas and mentions the things that you were talking about that was actually the auditioning scene um and um the performance of um Zach and, and Phoebe uh, in, in that audition scene is, is what, what got them uh, their roles, like right after that, that scene finished shooting. Um, uh, Zach kind of sort of sat down next to Phoebe and like leaned his head on, on her shoulder and the uh, casting people thought that that was super cute and, and decided to cast them. But uh, Zach Galligan mentioned that they were like very hush-hush about the, the script and would basically only gave them uh, that, that little bit that little scene there that so that's all they had to go on until i think they they um got the part and got showed up on set and got the full script um but apparently according to joe dante and and chris columbus who who penned the script um that that scene was especially controversial with like the studio executives pretty much from the point that they shot it uh that they really wanted them to pull that that scene because they thought that that was just way too dark and it's kind of sort of what you're saying what what does it add but um it's like you were saying catching you off guard like it's really supposed to catch you off guard i think that it is um like in for me and i don't i don't know maybe there's something a little bit twisted about me but like when i first watched the movie i kind of thought that it was like very darkly hilarious that like i could not help but but laugh at that's at that story because like um I, I think it's a little bit like satirical like you're you know, like I was saying earlier, like, I think it really does a great job of walking a fine line where you're not supposed where like you're simultaneously supposed to feel like sympathetic towards the character. And like, Oh man, that's like really horrible. Cause if something like that did happen, like that would be extremely horrific, but it's also like so totally absurd that it, you're supposed to have a very hard time imagining this happening. And I think that's supposed to like trigger your like comedic humor response. Um, so I, I don't, I, I, I according to Phoebe, uh, Cates that's actually why she took uh, the role and um, that she just loved that uh, that monologue so much. She thought that it really made the character um, is basically her like opposition to to Christmas, um, and then this you know being the reason why she hates Christmas. So
0: okay, so they left that in. Wow, okay. Yeah, it, to me it just didn't feel like it didn't belong as I was. It re-watching does feel a little it. out of place. Maybe I didn't think anything of it back in the day. I don't know. It was just part of the movie, but today it just didn't feel like uh, it didn't belong. But um, okay, um, I'll have to. I know part of the DVD I have uh, there's commentary with Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates, so I might oh, have to try cool. to watch that. And see if she talks about that a little bit more. Maybe I'll get a little bit more insight on that. But I'll take uh, I'll take what you said uh, about it to heart a little bit, and uh, just say, okay, <laughs> it, it adds somewhat to the movie. Um, the only other note I have is there is a sequel to Gremlins called Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Have you Have you seen that? Did you see that?
1: Yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times. It's great. Is it great? It's, okay. as, it's it's not as good. Mm-hmm. Uh but like if you like the bar scene, it's basically just pretty much that as a feature length. <laughs> yeah, I might have so. seen it once, but I really don't remember
0: it. And I know uh Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates both come back to it. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I'll have to, maybe next Christmas. I'll see if I can track it down somewhere and rewatch it. And there is also supposed to be a TV series sometime in 2022 called Gremlins: Secrets of the Magui. Uh, it's based on, I believe, the little boy in China and his uh, adventures with the Magui, I think. Either that or the grandfather. I can't remember what I looked up. But anyway, it's a backstory. It's a backstory on the Magui. And then from what I read was, uh, there is, uh, a gremlins three supposedly on the books. It has been Whoa. announced with Carl's Ellsworth writing the screenplay. Uh, he was a writer for Disturbia, uh, the last house on the left slash, uh, well, excuse me, last house on the left remake slash reboot and the red dawn slash remake slash reboot. Um, I hadn't seen either one of those last two things, so I don't know if they were reboots or remakes or uh, sequels. I'm not too sure. Well, I figured
1: Red Dawn wouldn't be a sequel, but... Um, <laughs> not... Yeah, I've seen the the Red Dawn remake. Um, so far as I remember, it wasn't wasn't too bad. I mm-hmm. liked the end, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's got so uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth as the... Um, not the main character, but one of the main characters. Oh,
0: okay, okay. So yeah, the, um, the writer for those, are, uh, he's supposed to be handling the script for that. So we'll see what comes about it. I know a lot of things don't come to fruition, um, but we are in the age of reboots and, uh, and remakes and sequels. So maybe, uh, maybe something will happen with that. All right, well, you ready to move on to quotes? let's do it all right i have you just have one and i have actually a few so i'll go ahead and go first my first one is uh mr hansen the science teacher uh when he's trying to coax the gremlin out from underneath the desk he goes hey you're not so angry about that little blood test are you <laughs> uh of course uh you know when uh, the gremlin was a magwai and billy took him over there uh, the science teacher ran several blood tests on him, which I thought he was a doctor, but no, he was just referred to as Mr. Hansen. So um, don't know how a science teacher can run blood tests, but OK, that's why. Let's suspend our disbelief <laughs> and say he can go ahead and do that. So uh, but apparently the gremlin did hold that against him um, because he does end up with a syringe in his butt uh, at the yeah, end. Yeah, <laughs> he's
1: stuck him with a huge needle and like right between <laughs> the fingers, like, oh, what a bad spot.
0: oh i know i know i'm sure little Mogwai wouldn't like that uh let me do my second one then we'll jump over to you a gremlin says phone home and disconnects the phone call between billy and his mom and i took that as a shout out to steven spielberg and et did you hear him say the same thing i mean i listened to it several times and thought he said phone home
1: uh so i had the closed captioning on, mm-hmm. and uh what he i thought he said was was phone kaka which is did something he? that they they say phone caca. so um another one of my notes that i did kind of forget was that uh um the sound designer that they that they hired for this film to create all the sounds for the for the gremlins um he actually came up with like an entire vocabulary for the gremlins so you know like they make various little little mm-hmm. sounds and noises and stuff and uh um actually one of the things that that stripe says a couple times is uh gizmo caca like i he, heard uh, that at yeah. the end
0: when he was on the water fountain
1: right he says that also too when when uh, right after they hatch from their pods and um they you know like they strap him to the dartboard they strap yes. gizmo to the dartboard <laughs> and then they throw him down the laundry hamper that's okay. what they say right before they throw him Through the laundry hamper. So you heard phone caca.
0: Okay, I didn't put on. I did not put on closed caption, but I swear I heard phone home. Um, There was another.
1: This reminded me of ET. Yeah. This. um, uh,
0: There was another little Easter egg. I don't know if you noticed during the last scene. uh, Well, the second to last scene in the department store in the toy section, uh, when Billy's walking through the toy section and and uh, Stripe pops out. He pops out behind an ET doll. Did you notice that? What? No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, he does. There's all those toys there, and he pops out behind an ET doll. That's why I kind of put all this stuff together with Steven Spielberg. What I had already known that I thought I had heard the phone home. And then when I was re-watching, I was like, Oh, and there's the ET. There's all these little Steven Spielberg Easter eggs. So, but oh. uh I'll have to. I'll have to check out my closed caption to find out if, if it is phone home or if it's phone
1: caca. <laughs> in in terms of Steven Spielberg's Easter egg, did you catch Spiel, Spielberg in the film himself?
0: At the, um, what the heck do you call it? Inventor convention? Yes. I thought that was him. He was going yeah. by a little car. Yeah. He I goes thought that in was a him. little tricycle. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I saw it and I was like, is that Steven Spielberg? <laughs> That was awesome. So another okay. thing
1: that they mentioned uh, in the special features, if you're looking over to the to the right when when um, um, Hoyt Alexander's you know, like on the phone saying you know like he can't make it home, he's stuck, is you know like there's that robot there that's off to the right to him, but um, in the in the background of that, there's a, uh, a little thing that's on display that says time machine you know like there's a weird little like car looking thing there and in the one scene like he's on the phone and then there's the little time machine in the background and then you know it cuts to the pods as they're about to hatch Mm -hmm. then it cuts back to him on the phone and then there's just like a black spot on the ground with like smoke coming up and people like looking at the spot being like what what like where the time machine used to be really okay yeah sort of indicating like the time machine freaking worked Okay, <laughs> just like zapped I out. That
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> pretty cool. Um, why don't
0: you go ahead and do your quote, and then I'll do my last one.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh also there, there's apparently a, a big nod to uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre there somewhere in the um in in the department store, but I didn't I didn't catch it. I'll have to go With back and and the chainsaw. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I okay. I don't know what. Yeah, that I is. think there's I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Anyway, uh so so my quote is um when Miss Eagle comes into the bank all um peeved that that uh, uh Barney broke her Bavarian snowman um and she's she's mentioning what she's going to do to the little dog she says uh, uh or maybe I'll put him in my spin dryer on high heat. Uh, and Mr. Anderson who who's sitting behind her just says, "Yep, that'll do it." <laughs> <laughs>
0: good old mrs deagle she was so evil all right my last one is the grandfather from china at the very end uh when he was scolding the family when he came back to get the mogwai he said i warned you Magwai comes with great responsibility but you did not listen uh and i didn't write this down but then he also i think gave some sort of lesson about uh uh i don't know Um,
1: the smokeless ashtray
0: Amer- not that, but no, the.
1: Uh, oh, consumer uh, culture or Amer- something?
0: Yeah, something like that. Americans. Oh, and, like, and a, not, is a uh, great natural resource. Something about natural resources, not knowing how to take care of natural resources. I don't know. <laughs> something political was snuck in there, but mm-hmm. I didn't add that to it. All right. So uh, that's our quotes. Shall we go to uh, where are they now? Let's do it. All right. Where are they now? I have the director Joe Dante. He went on to direct movies like Inner Space and Small Soldiers. He has upcoming credits listed for The Man with the Kaleidoscope Eyes and Labyrinthus, which I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But um, that's what I see. That Labyrinthus is uh, something that's coming up for him.
1: Yeah. The uh the year after he released Gremlins, he also released one of my another one of my favorite eighties movies, uh, Explorers.
0: Which oh, if, if you okay. haven't seen it,
1: you totally check out. Oh, okay. Is it the Explorers or just Explorers? I always thought it was the Explorers, but it turns out it's just Explorers, I guess. Is it also with Corey Feldman's also in that, isn't he? Um I know that um Ethan Hawke is and uh, oh, uh Phoenix Rivers is, is in there. Yeah. River Phoenix. Okay. For
0: some reason I'm picturing um, Corey Feldman on the box, but maybe I'm thinking of something else. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. All right. Uh, You want to go on to Mr. Zach?
1: Yeah. Zach Galligan went on to have a career as a working actor, though mostly in TV and B movies, um, finding his greatest successes in the eighties with um, films such as Gremlins two and the horror series waxwork.
0: Wow, I wonder if they'll try to get him if there is going to be a a remake, or not a remake, if there's going to be a Gremlins 3. I wonder if they'll bring him back. I I hope so. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. Um, Phoebe Cates. Um, She did reprise her role in Gremlins 2 as Kate. And then mostly she went back and forth between stage acting and films throughout the 80s and 90s. She was originally to be in Father of the Bride, Uh, Father of the Bride, as Steve Martin's daughter, which I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, wow. But uh, she was pregnant uh, with her first child, and she dropped out. And she hasn't acted on screen since 2001. um, But I also wanted to note that she is still married to actor Kevin Kline. I I did not know that, so that's pretty pretty interesting. I did not, but that is a fact. They are still together.
1: That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Howie Mandel has had a long and very successful career as an actor, voiceover actor, comedian, writer, and TV host. By the end of the decade, Howie had created his own kid's show called Bobby's World and can now be seen as one of the judges on America's Got Talent and was also seen as the host on Deal or No Deal.
0: Very cool. All right, let's move on to At the Box Office. Gremlins, as you mentioned earlier was released June 8th, 1984, right there in the beginning of summer, although it was a Christmas movie in my eyes, and was third top-grossing film at the box office for 1984, bringing in over $153 million. It was made wow. for around $11 million, so this was a success. But Unfortunately, if you want to look at uh, anything unfortunate about Gremlins, the top grossing film of 1984 was released the exact same week as Gremlins, uh, and uh, Gremlins could not pass it. Uh, Eric, can you guess what that movie was? Top grossing movie So I actually
1: just know the answer to this movie because of the special features, but it is Ghostbusters. Yes. Very good. Very good. The special features mentioned it, huh? They did. They did. I, I can't believe that two weeks before this, uh, Indian, the temple of doom released as well. So yes. What a summer. 84.
0: Oh, I know there were so many good movies out there. Um, I don't, I really don't. I mean, I was like eight years old, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to see any of these at the theater. I was probably scared <laughs> of all of them. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Temple of doom and, uh, ghostbusters were out there crazy, but gremlins still did great. And I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fun. Uh, it's a fun movie. We're going to move on to listener feedback. We have one little bit from my friend Tom on Facebook. He says another great Christmas movie. I agree Woo! with you, Tom. It is a great Christmas movie. And Eric and I are both saying it's Christmas movies, even though it was both filmed and released in the summer.
1: <laughs> Joe, it's Dante a, Christmas says it's not a Christmas movie, but I say it's a Christmas <laughs> movie. <laughs> it is. That's why we're doing it. He directed uh, it. But what does he know? yeah
0: right (laughs) um okay well that was it for listener feedback now we're going to move on to our closing and send off it's time to we're going to bring things to a close so eric i want to thank you for joining me once again you are welcome back anytime i know we have a, a, a list a list of things to do i hope you had a good time here today
1: always yeah great fun thank you so much for having me
0: sure And a reminder, please rate and review the podcast to help us grow. The more ratings and reviews the podcast has, the higher we get up on the search list. So please do so if you haven't. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to recommend us to any of your 80s loving friends, we are on Apple and Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Audible, pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find us. And of course, you can listen to us on the web at www.watchedusinthe80spodcast.com. Also, if you want to provide feedback, you can do it a few ways. You can email us at watchedinthe 80 podcast at gmail.com. You can either send us a written email or send us an audio file to that address. And I can just go ahead and plop it right in the
1: podcast and we'll play it. You can find us on Instagram at Watch It in the oh. 80s Podcast and on Twitter at W I I T 80s Podcast. And don't forget about Facebook too at Watch It in the 80s Podcast. And please don't forget to check out our other podcasts on the Pirate Core Entertainment Network. Uh, on the next Run for Your Lives podcast, Daphne and Paik and special guest Jerry will be talking about mars attacks from 1996 what a classic
0: uh yeah i haven't seen that in like 20 years but i pretty sure i had a fun time watching it not like i don't hate it or anything but it it made me laugh i do want a lot lot in the
1: vein of of gremlins it's very yeah absurdist and yeah it's like a spoof
0: (laughs) yeah um, I do want to give, uh, uh, um, also say, uh, their last episode, their holiday episode, they also did Gremlins. <laughs> so I do recommend listeners to go check them out at Run For Your Lives podcast. It was something, it, it, was, it was my fault, of course, with the, uh, not, oh my gosh, with the Pirate Core Entertainment Network. Um, I really try to avoid to cover anything they have recently covered. And I certainly don't want to avoid anything. They are, I certainly do want to avoid everything they are covering. Uh, it was just a mix up. I did not check with Daphne to see what she was doing for the holidays. So, but Hey, it's done. We have two gremlins podcasts out there. So why don't you go ahead and listen to both of them and see, I know you're going to like theirs. I know you're going to like ours.
1: So please do so. Here's what happened. We both listened to Joe Dante, who said this isn't a Christmas movie. So we thought, who's going to be covering this for Christmas? Yeah,
0: right. Um, And on Adrenaline Cinema, Mark and Jamie are talking about They Live from 1988. And that's starring Mr. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Gosh, that that's an awesome movie. I'm a big Rowdy Roddy Piper fan,
1: and I like that. So make sure you I check that out. I just watched that just Did recently. You? Yeah, for the first time. And it's very solid. Very good flick. Send them
0: in feedback. It might not be too late. I don't know. Um, yeah, oh, you should yeah. send them feedback on. Uh, yeah, check out the adrenaline on Facebook and and put it in there. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Will do. Are there any other podcasts you want to suggest to anyone, Eric? Uh,
1: so I will throw a shout out to a podcast called Real Blend. R E E L and then Blend. Um. It's uh, three movie critics and their producer uh, just talking about basically recent and upcoming releases. Um, if you like movies, um, of course you do. Why would you be listening to this podcast if you didn't? Uh, but they do, um, you know, press interviews and uh, extended interviews with actors, directors for uh, recent and upcoming releases. So it's great. Check it out cool thanks for sharing
0: that uh we will have to we'll have to take a look and uh, see what they have to offer over there um and of course next up for Washington it in the 80s my friend andy returns and we're going to be discussing disgusting no we're not and we are going to be <laughs> discussing blade runner from 1982 starring harrison ford uh you're a blade runner fan right yes
1: it's good all of the cuts all the cuts yeah but um, most especially director's cut is my favorite
0: cut, which i think has like one more minute doesn't it i I don't think i watched the director's cut
1: i watched that's a whole rabbit hole man that's
0: a rabbit hole okay (laughs) a rabbit hole that maybe andy and i go down and maybe we don't (laughs) um no i did not see the director's cut so i'm not sure but i did have a good time watching it so please check uh check that out and listen to me and andy talk about blade runner it was a lot of fun All right. And so was this. This was fun, too. Thanks for listening to Watched It in the 80s podcast. And I hope you enjoyed us covering Gremlins. I'm Damien and I'm Eric until next time. Remember, you watched it in the 80s and you can watch it now.